Welcome to the Dwelling Place Church audio podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in to this week's message. We pray God speaks to you today through this message and through His Word. For more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org. Now, it's time to listen to this week's message. Uh, We start a brand new series today as we kick off this first Sunday uh, in December. And I am confident that the Lord cares deeply, cares deeply for each of you, and He cares deeply about what you are facing and what you will face uh, in the Christmas season and holiday season and all the tension and all that comes with such holidays. And uh, I want to preach a message to you today titled, Views and Vents, Views and Vents, out of Luke's account in chapter 1, we're going to just start looking at what we call the Christmas story, the coming of Christ. And I want to pray and we will jump right in to what the Lord wants us to look at and to hopefully see Him in today. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, we thank you that that name is above all names. So, Lord, we speak that name, the name of Jesus, the authority that's in that name because of His death and resurrection. We speak that name of Jesus into our circumstances, into our storms, into places of our heart, and into hurts, into questions and skepticism and doubt. We thank You that You build Your church, and that includes this church, and the gates of hell will not prevail. That Lord, though we have maybe been shot at and though maybe we have had a momentary moment in battle where we seem to be defeated, we thank you that we win the entire war in you, that you lead us as more than conquerors. We look to you today. You are our bright and morning star. You are our sufficiency. Show yourself faithful and strong today to hearts and to people and to homes. Holy Spirit, we welcome you. Yield, we yield to you. I yield myself to you. Magnify Jesus, and we thank you for this. His name we pray. Amen. You know, the word Advent means a coming into place. A coming into view or being an arrival. When we use the word Advent, we're talking about Something or someone coming into place, coming into view, coming into being and arrival. The word eventually means finally and ultimately or at some later time. If you have noticed our series this month is eventually. The word advent and eventually brought together. See, the Christmas story is actually a story of eventually. Where Advent, something and someone coming into place, coming into view, coming into being, something arriving or someone arriving, and it finally and ultimately happening. What that means is, is the Christmas story is the story of all hopes. It is the story of all anticipation. It is the story of all waiting in all patience, and all expecting. 
See, the Christmas story, we're referring to the coming of Christ. The coming of Christ into this place that we call earth. As Zacharias, John the Baptist's father prophesied, saying, God has raised up a horn of salvation for us. I love that. Because, you know, is it that where the devil lies to so many people? That yes, there's salvation for those that grew up in a Christian home. Or yes, there's salvation for those that grew up in America and had access to Scripture. But no, it's not just salvation for some. It's not just a salvation for few. It is a salvation that is available for all. It is a salvation for anyone who would thirst and hunger, anyone who would drink of his well and provision of salvation. But Zacchaeus prophesied, says, a horn of salvation is for us. Then he says, as he, God, spoke by the mouth of his prophets who have been since the world began. Notice that. This salvation, this promise of Advent, this person, this king and this savior coming into place, coming to this earth, coming into view, was prophesied and declared for thousands and thousands and thousands of years from the beginning of the world. God had promised Advent eventually. God had promised the coming of the Savior King would take place. That the Savior King would arrive. He would step foot on this earth in an earthen vessel. He would understand the weaknesses of human flesh and experience hunger and tiredness and thirst. He would understand the temptation and the cruelty of the earth we live in that is fallen captive into Satan and his kingdom of darkness and ill motive and motivation, that eventually he would come. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That eventually took place. That he came, that God did not abandon us as his creation in our sin, in our struggle. In our frustration and in our hurts, He didn't abandon us. That God who spoke and promised was faithful to perform. Today, as a community of followers of Jesus Christ, we still proclaim eventually. We still proclaim that eventually Jesus Christ will return, this time apart from sin, but for salvation of those who love Him and long and wait for His return. We still proclaim that Jesus Christ will come in the full manifestation of His place as Lord over all. That He will come into full full view. He will come into full view to every person that He truly is King of kings and Lord of lords. See, eventually this is going to happen to all. It's going to happen to the follower of Jesus. It's going to happen to the skeptic. It's going to happen to the one that is captive by false religions and deception of this world. Eventually, it's going to happen that every knee shall bow. Every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Eventually, He's going to come into the place that He deserves in every mouth and upon every tongue. Eventually, He's going to come in to every person's view that He alone is supreme. 
that he alone is Lord. Guess what I'm saying up front here today is the best thing that could happen to you and I. The best thing that could happen for us who are here today is the view and realization of the place that Jesus holds. That He is supreme. He is central. He is foundational. And because that He is who He is, we are swept into His history. That history belongs to the Lord. That history is His. And history is primarily about His story. It's about the story of His coming. It's about the story of His kingdom. It's about the story of His salvation and His purpose. This is what fascinates me about Jesus. Is He brings others into His story. Today we're going to look at a man named Zacharias and Zacharias is not only in the history of God, but he's also now being swept into his specific story. His specific story of eventually. His specific story regarding the coming of the Savior King and His kingdom. He's being swept into it. And I want to tell you that are here today and those that are listening that God doesn't just want you a part of His history. He wants you a part of his specific story. He wants you to experience the eventually of Jesus Christ coming into the place that only he can feel in your life. That Jesus Christ would come in his rightful place as Lord and leader of your life. That Jesus Christ would come into view, into clear view in your life and in your perceptions. See, we only find our intended place in history, if and when Jesus eventually comes into such place and view in our life. These are views and these are events. Notice there's a threefold cord in the definition, and I want to speak on this threefold cord of advent, of a coming into place, a coming into view, and a coming into being. Place, view, and being. In Luke chapter 1, beginning in verse 5, Dr. Luke gives an orderly and thoroughly account regarding Jesus and his specific story coming to the earth. In verse 5 it says, you can follow along with me, they'll put it up. There was in the days of Herod, the king of Judea, a certain priest named Zacharias of the division of Abijah. His wife was of the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth, and they were both righteous before God, walking in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. But they had no child, because Elizabeth was barren. They were both well advanced in years, so it was, that while he was serving as priest before God in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot failed to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. First thing that stands out to me of this account that Luke gives is regarding the law that the Scripture says that Zacharias and Elizabeth, they were blameless under the law. They were blameless under the law, and yet they were still barren. They were still fruitless. They were still unfruitful in bearing children. 
Meaning, listen, you can have laws and regulations and rules and principles and not necessarily have intimacy with Jesus Christ. That you can have an understanding of right and wrong and good and evil and not necessarily have intimacy and fellowship with Jesus Christ. What I'm saying is, is that we all eventually need Advent to happen in our life regarding the law and the place of the law and a view of the law. Now, here in our text, specifically, it's talking about the law of Moses. The law of Moses that God gave. What's interesting about the law of Moses is it wasn't just a religious law. It was also a national and a cultural law. Why is this? Because God is not just God over religion and religious views. God is God over all creation. He's God and Lord over nations. He's God and Lord over all the earth and over all of our lives. And that He gave the law of Moses to His old covenant people for them to understand what Him being Lord looked like. You can read the law of Moses and the books of Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. But eventually Paul the Apostle, who meets Jesus after being someone who persecuted people of the way and was responsible of capturing and killing Christians, Paul says regarding the law, therefore the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ that we might be justified by faith, Galatians 3 and 24. What Paul is saying is that the law of Moses and laws are given until eventually happens. Until eventually Jesus takes His rightful place in our life. Until Jesus takes the rightful view in our perception. That the purpose of the law of Moses and the purpose of laws are to eventually bring you into a relationship with Jesus Christ. That is the purpose of it. See, the place of laws and the place of the law of Moses and the place of Scripture and learning right and wrong is to bring about the knowledge of sin. This is why every young child needs the law in their life. They need a standard of right and wrong. Why? Because eventually an understanding of right and wrong causes people to be aware that they have sinned. That something has went wrong in this earth and something has went wrong in their own earthen vessel. This is the place of the law. It's given for the unrighteous. It's given to bring about the knowledge of sin. And it leads to a view of I have sinned and I'm not perfect. Now, oftentimes you can have people who will say that. I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect. But in practice, How many times do we seek to act like we are perfect? Say, what do you mean, Pastor Chad? We wear masks. Like, I hope no one understands what I'm going through. Let me me help you. You're a human. And those of us that are aware of our own humanity understand your humanity. We understand that you have issues because we understand we have issues. People think they can hide, but to someone who understands what humanity really is, you can't ever hide from such a person because they understand that we have all sinned. We have all made mistakes. We have all fell short of the glory of God. 
that none of us are sinless. and Therefore, this speaks about our being. That we've not just sinned, but because we're sin, we've sinned, we're a sinner. We have a heart that longs to be our own king. We have a heart that longs to be our own God. We have a heart that longs to do life according to our standards. And because you are a sinner, because I am a sinner, we're in need of a Savior. We're in need of a Savior who will not just forgive us of sins, but listen, He'll change our very being. He'll make us a new creation. He'll cause old things to pass away and behold all things to become new. That He'll recreate us in true righteousness and holiness. That we will experience the regeneration and the washing by the Holy Spirit. Be made new. See, just principle living alone, just right and wrong and good and evil can still leave you fruitless before culture around you. It can still leave you fruitless in being able to be an influence and impact people for the cause of Christ. Now listen, principles and laws are used by God. Even in our nation, there's so many principles and laws that none of us know all of them. It would be impossible. I mean, just one matter one area of life in our culture, there's probably a book this big just on laws, you know, just on tax laws, a book this big. You know, just on, on zoning regulations this big. I mean, just law after law and after law. But listen, God uses laws even though all laws are not from God. Now here's my point. God uses all laws, all laws of our land, even though they're not all from God. He uses all laws watch this, in hopes to eventually bring every one of us to the place of allowing Jesus to come into His rightful place as Lord. God wants to use laws around us to eventually bring us to the place that we surrender, submit, and worship Jesus as King and Lord, and we welcome His coming because only He can fix everything that's went wrong. This is the importance. I feel deeply for those that experience injustice and laws that really are unjust. I feel deeply for people that are experiencing laws and suffering because of laws, but here ultimately is what God wants to do, is even in the injustice and even in the wrong laws, God wants to lead those people to eventually allow Jesus to be Lord of their life and for them to understand this is why we need the eventually to come. This is why we long for Jesus to come. This is why we long for Jesus to return because He will make injustices right. He will make what's went crooked straight that we need eventually and His return. And this is what God uses laws for to get us to see the place that only Jesus can fulfill as Lord and King, this view. See, look at Zacharias and Elizabeth. They're walking blameless according to the laws. They're walking blameless according to the standard, and yet they were barren. You ever felt like that you're doing everything right, and yet things are still going wrong? You ever felt like that you're walking according to the standards at your job, and yet promotions and things are overlooking you? Listen, 
This is where the lot system comes in. I love this. That even though they were walking blameless under the law and things weren't going right for them, God, under the strict guidelines and regulations of the law, he had something called the lot system that even when the fruit wasn't showing up and even when you were doing everything right and things weren't working out right, God had a way to enter in and meet a need. It was called the lot system. See, Proverbs 16.33 says, The lot is cast into the, lot, the lap, but its every decision is from the Lord. There were times where the casting of lots took place under the law of Moses. And here we see that Zacharias goes in. He's with other priests in the temple. They cast lots to see who's going to get to go into the holy place. Who's going to get to offer incense? And Zacharias was chosen. You know why? Because though man casts the lot, every decision for the lot system was from the Lord. Where obedience to the law and principle living left them unfulfilled and barren, the lot system eventually allowed the one who's greater than the law to come into view and to cause the promise that God had for them to come to pass. See, listen to me. Jesus is greater than the law. He's greater than principle living. He's greater than disciplined living. He's greater than just living based on good and evil, right and wrong. Jesus is greater than that type of living. He's greater than trusting in your own works to bring about results. He is greater and Lord over the law just as He's Lord over the Sabbath. He is Lord over all laws. And I'm not above the law, but Jesus is above the law. He's above it. And what I'm trying to tell you is there's going to be times in life where it's going to seem you've done things right and yet things go wrong. And this, God wants to use it to get you to see the place of Jesus that He's even above injustice. He's even above where systems and things have called you to suffer. That He still, God still has a way to break into such systems. His way is named is named Jesus. This was the lot system. This is Advent. He's greater. Jesus was born under the law to demonstrate He was above the law and greater than the law. See, it's Him coming into His rightful place. It's Him coming into His rightful view in our life. You can cast your circumstances on the lot of Jesus today. Where you feel like things are out of your hand and circumstances are out of your hand, you can trust Jesus because He's even greater than it. See, he's the way when there doesn't look like there is a way. I love Ecclesiastes 9.11. It says, listen, there comes a time where it, it's not, things are not opened up to the strong and the swift and the wisest and the most skilled, but time and chance come to them all. But I want to, and what really hit me this week about that scripture is there's times in life where we feel like we don't have what it takes to get what we need or what God has in our life. We feel like we're overlooked. We feel like we're not smart enough. We feel like we're not strong enough. We're not fast enough. And we feel like other things are crowding that out in our life. Here's the deal. Time and chance happens to them all, meaning there always is a wild card with God. His name is Jesus. He is Lord over all the systems. He's Lord over all regulations. He's Lord over all that. And I specifically got a Raymond when it comes to what God has next for D.P. Woodstock. Because you look at things, you can look at finances, you can look at 
uh, land value increase in Cherokee County. You can look at, oh my gosh, if we would have planted five years before, other churches, you know, who planted back then, they got land and all of this. And here's what I heard the Lord say, time and chance happens to them all. It doesn't matter if the laws change. It don't matter if zoning changes. It don't matter if the prices of, of fields and, and properties change. We have Jesus who's Lord over it all. And our time and chance for what the Lord has, it will come. We don't have to be moved by fear and, and trepidation, but we can rest knowing there is a lot system, and that lot system is Jesus, and He's above every system. And I'm going to throw our cares and my cares and our cares as a community and my family cares into the lap of Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Oh, hallelujah. We can fall out of the hands of the law and into the hands of the Lord. We can fall out of the living off of rules into the rule of a relationship with the king. I want to tell some of you that you've maybe lived a principal life up to this point, but that principal life just has the place to get you to see the view that you're a sinner in need of a savior so that it eventually leads you to allow Jesus to be Lord and supreme over all of your life. See this with Zacharias. The text continues in verse 11. It says, Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. Zacharias saw him. He was troubled and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you shall call his name John. You will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he shall drink neither wine nor strong drink. He will also be filled with the Holy Spirit, even from his mother's womb, and he will turn many of the children of Israel to the Lord their God, and he will also go before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the just to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Here is Zacharias being swept up, not into the story of God just with about history, but to the specific story of Advent and eventually of Jesus Christ. Time and chance for him to be swept up into his specific story. I, I really felt this. I don't know if it's someone here, someone in the next game, but I was preparing. It really hit me that there's a time and chance hitting someone today to be swept up into Jesus' specific story. It's your time to surrender to Jesus as King and Lord. Not just a compartmentalized life. I'm talking about allowing Jesus to take his rightful place as Lord over all of your life, as King and Supreme. Time and chance now in Zacharias' life. Here's his eventually. Finally, his lot has failed to burn incense. See, eventually always eventually happens. It's a coming into place, and here his place changes. Before, when his lot's not chosen, he's in the temple, but he's not in the holy place. Yet, now his lot is chosen, and he gets to move into the holy place, where there's the table of incense, and the table of showbread, and the menorah. There he is in this holy place, and he's offering incense. Now in this new place, guess what it does? It leads him to have a new view about his future. So you've got to understand, the Bible says Zacharias was well advanced and aged. He had lived with this reproach upon him and his wife, though they were doing everything right. They had lived with this reproach for a long, long, long time. Listen, you cannot experience such and it not start messing with your view about your future where you start thinking things are always going to be this way. 
I'm always going to be overlooked. I'm never going to see the fulfillment of what God put in my heart. But I want to tell you that in this story, we see that eventually happens to all. To all that will allow Jesus to break in and will allow the things that's taken place in their life to cause Jesus to take his rightful place in them. And now he's in this new place, and the new place starts helping him get a new view about his future. Notice what the angel tells him as he's in this new place. You will bear. It's not you maybe will bear. He paints a picture. Your future is going to be different than your past. You will bear. You're going to bear a son. You will call his name John. Now listen, if, if the angel of the Lord, who represents the voice of the Lord in this moment, tells you the name of the child, I mean, this isn't like it might hypothetically happen. No, no, no. This is, it is good as done. It will happen, and it's so much going to happen. Let me go ahead and tell you his name. His name is John. Then he says, you will have joy and gladness. I know, Zacharias, you've not had a lot of joy and a lot of gladness because of what you're going through, but I want you to see now that you're in the holy place, it's changing your view about your future. It's changing your view about your experience, and you will have joy and gladness. He will be great. He will turn many. He will go before Jesus in the spirit and the power of Elijah. See, listen, God uses new places to form new views. You're in a new place emotionally. You're in a new place physically. First time guest, back in a long time, third time, wherever. You're in a new place at your job. You just moved into a new neighborhood. Listen, God uses new places to form new views. He wants to use the new places you're at, spiritually, emotionally, and physically, to cause new views of eventually to come into your life that Jesus becomes Lord and supreme in practice in more areas that currently He only is in confession with your lips. Views. New place is now changing Zacharias' view. I want to tell you that the reason you're views have been negative is because the enemy in this culture seems to paint your future dark. But I want to tell you there's a different place available to you. It's called the holy place. That because Jesus Christ came, you can go into the holy place and the secret place and you can pray to your Father in heaven and in that holy place, God can begin to renew your views and change your perspective and change your outlook of your future, of your value, of your worth that in the holy place of spending time with the Father through Jesus Christ, the views and perspectives of your future and yourself can change. A new view of your future, that you can see yourself, not maybe having joy, but you shall have joy. Joy in His kingdom and fruitfulness. In fact, this past Thursday is... Uh, Alexa and I were coming here to the facility for growth phases. You know, uh, last night was a full moon. So Thursday it was, you know, at like, I don't know, 94% full moon. And, uh, you know, it gets dark so early now. And we were coming in, and uh, we're coming down 75. And Alexa's looking, and all of a sudden she goes, Daddy, is the moon moving? And I said, well, not exactly how you mean it. Yeah, it's moving a little because <laughs> it's in orbit. But it's not moving how she thinks. I said, which 
What's changing, baby, is our place is changing. And because our place is changing, our view and perspective of the moon is changing. See, listen, some of you are trying to get your circumstances and things to change first. And eventually, God's trying to get you, you know, change your place. Don't start running to the world and others' expectations and culture's understanding and culture's beliefs to change your view. Run to the holy place that's been opened for you through Jesus Christ and let God's presence and God's truth change your views. Somebody say place. Someone say views. But here he is and now he's in the holy place and he's looking at a horn. Because on the table of incense, there were horns. And see, now he's in this different place, and it's starting to change his view, and the different place allows him to get a new view of understanding. Listen, the, the horns that he's seeing with his natural eyes are actually pointing to Jesus, the real horn, the horn of salvation that God promised. What if your natural circumstances, and what if the natural things you're seeing, like the sun and the moon and the stars, and relationships and things that work, wonder if they're really pointing to Jesus? wonder if God is trying to use the natural things around us to eventually get Jesus to take His rightful place in our life and to change our views about who's Lord, who's worthy. See, the law of Moses was always pointing to Jesus. wonder if what's happening in the nations of the world in laws and laws of injustice and right laws and wrong laws, what about if your relationship and experience with laws is all pointing to Jesus to get you eventually excited for the king to return? Because I know in America as good as you, it's very easy to say, you know what, we don't really need the kingdom right now because we have it pretty good in America. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I had no fear on the way here today that I was going to be martyred or killed for preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ as a, as a lead pastor in a community like China experienced you know, decades ago. And so I know it's easy for us to get comfortable, but maybe God is using all of the laws and all of the injustice and all of that mess to get us eventually to the place of saying, come, Lord Jesus, come. Take your rightful place, King and Savior. We long for you to make what has went wrong become right. Can I hear one amen? And it says in verse 18, it tells us of Zacharias' response, and Zacharias said, to the angel, said to the angel, how shall I know this? Okay. For I am an old man. My wife is well advanced in years. And the angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and was sent to speak to you and to bring you these glad tidings. But behold, you will be mute and not able to speak until the day these things take place. Watch this. Because you did not believe my word, which will be fulfilled. Here we get a glimpse, though Zacharias is walking blameless according to the law and outward regulations, we get a glimpse of his real being and character. We get an inward look at what's really going on on the inside, and you say, well, that's Zacharias. Now listen to me, it's me and it's you at times. 
that everything looks right, and we look and we're feeling regulations out of obligation on the outside, but there's still some things about our being that need to come into view. His being just came into view. Now, we, the text don't mean this specifically, but it's applicable scripturally. That I think that what we're seeing here is the fruit of law living in Zacharias' life. That just living, basing your life on principles and works, if I do this, then God's obligated to do this, and if I do this, then my boss is obligated to do that. Listen, the fruit of that type of law living leads to becoming cynical and full of doubt and feeling let down and hope deferred makes a heart sick and frustrated, and here we see this coming out of Zacharias because an angel from God, not like an angel in a, in a church place, this ain't, a, this ain't an angel like a decoration that just started moving, thought, oh, God's speaking to me through it. No, no, this is a real angel from God. And he says, how shall I know? I bet the angel's like, hello? Woo! Christ, right here. Do you understand the place that I occupy? I stand in the presence of God. When I stand, I stand as God's presence. Because I stand in His real presence, so when I come, I come from His presence, and in God there is no deceit or shifting shadows or turning or variation. It's impossible for Him to lie. Zacharias, see, not only do I stand there, you've got to understand because of where I stand as an angel of God, you've got to understand my view. I've seen throughout the history of God and the history of creation that when God speaks, it shall come to pass. That God is true and let every man be a liar. You've got to understand that I see from God's view of things, Zacharias, and I was sent to tell you glad tidings. See, Gabriel, his being means a man of God or a warrior of God. Now look at his, the angel's response, verse 20, but behold, you will be mute and not able to speak because you did not believe. Do you know the difference between Zacharias and Mary? Because Mary had a response to the angel. Zacharias had a response. But Mary's response was one out of faith. Zacharias's response was one out of unbelief. The difference is, Zechariah said, how shall I know this? It reflected his lack of trust in God. Mary didn't say, how could I know this? She just said, how can this be? She asked a scientific question. <laughs> he asked, a, how can I know, a character of God question. Mary was just asking, What's going to be the method then? How will it happen? So Mary's was not one of doubt. It was one of faith. She was just wanted to be clear on the method. Zacharias was one of doubt. Now this brings us to you in circumstance. It brings us to me in circumstances. That eventually your being is going to have to be dealt with. Your character, your heart, eventually is going to have to be dealt with, that circumstances are going to bring out and to reveal to you and sometimes others, but sometimes just between you and God, areas of your being and character that need to be dealt with. 
Maybe you are like Zach and Zacharias, that unbelief is coming out of your heart and coming out of your mouth because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. In the season and the circumstance and the trial you're going through, unbelief is coming forth. I want to tell you that in circumstances and in trials and events and situations, God wants to work in it and through it to lead you to eventually allow Jesus to take His rightful position in that area of your life. That God wants to use what you're going through to allow it eventually to happen. That God uses it to eventually get you into a place of surrender and trust of allowing Jesus to be Lord over your life for Him to take His rightful place and for you to understand the place that Jesus holds. That He's greater than all things. That He holds all things together by the word of His power. But it's not just us today needing to know Jesus taking His rightful place. But after we allow Jesus to take His rightful place as Lord and King in our life, then it's important for us to begin to know our place and position in Christ. That we're no longer seen by God just as His creation. But we become His sons and daughters. That we are born again and we become new creations and we become the children of the Most High God. We've got to begin to see our place now in Christ. How our life is hidden in Him. How we're righteous because He's our righteous. How we're holy in spirit because He's our holiness. That what we used to be, we're no longer that in spirit. That we've been experienced a new birth and all things have become new. And God is not ashamed to call us His children. Nor as Hebrews 2 said, Jesus is not ashamed to call us His brethren. In fact, the Bible says when we gather together to worship the Father and to celebrate His goodness and His kingdom, kingdom that Jesus comes and dances and celebrates and sings with us to reveal the goodness of the Father. That I don't know what circumstances you're at, but there is a character of God for your circumstance. He is Jehovah Shalom where there's stress and anxiety. He is your peace. He is Jehovah Rohi. He is the Lord your shepherd where there is misdirection and confusion. He is Jehovah Jireh, the, your provider, where there is some financial tightness and questions and things that you're facing, that He is Almighty God. You in circumstances. Did you allow Jesus to come into your rightful place? You began to, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ that's been regenerated, understand your place in Him. It begins to change your views. Listen, your soul is going to have to be renewed. Your perception in circumstances is going to have to be renewed. There are going to be circumstances that seem to be used to the devil to tell you that Jesus is not supreme, that He's not Lord, that He really not, is not able to change because there's laws or there's regulations or there's this. No, no, no in the holy place, spending time with Him, He begins to change your views. He begins to renew your soul. And as He does that, that's why the Bible says that in His presence is fullness of joy. Because you can't get in the holy place, spend time with the Holy One, Him not begin to show you that because now you're in Him, your future's in Him, 
And as the psalmist said, your times are in His hand. It might look like your times have been in the hands of things you can't control. Oh, but He's always got the lot system. He's always got a way. And His name is Jesus, and He's Lord over every law. He's Lord over every system. He's Lord over every culture. He's Lord over every nation. He's Lord over every regulation. And you can call, cast your cares Cast your circumstances, cast your infirmities and circumstances and your feelings into Jesus' lap. And He's well able to hold you together even when things seem to be falling apart. Oh, He's a perfect anchor for our soul. You begin to get a renewed soul that I will have joy. I will have joy. It's like what the psalmist said in Psalms 126.5, Those who sow in tears shall reap in joy. He who continually goes forth weeping, bearing seed for sowing, shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. See, there might be a season and time of sowing tears, but if you'll take your tears, not just to friends and Facebook and social media and vent and cry and ask for self-pity and talk to people that can't change it anyway, but if you'll take your tears into the holy place, I want to tell you that there is soil that is so fertile that in the holy place in His presence, He can take one tear and turn it into many years of joy. He can take what used to be barren and unfruitful and frustrating and turn it into fruitfulness and fulfillment because He is supreme. He is Lord. And what I'm trying to get you to understand is that eventually Jesus needs to come into the place of our life as really being Lord of all. Lord of all. There's going to be some thoughts that's got to be taken captive. 2 Corinthians 10.4 For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments, and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. You need to get into the holy place. When you get into the holy place, God's holy presence will begin to change your mind in wrong Thoughts and strongholds of the enemy about you and your future will start being pulled down. God pulls down things so that He can raise the right things up. See, when it comes to my being, my character, your being, your character, eventually, eventually you're going to want to vent. From Zacharias, we learn the right kind of venting and the wrong kind of venting. See, I, I really think that in the eyes of God, in the eyes of the angel, why Zacharias had to be mute is that when Zacharias vented his unbelief, listen, that was actually disrespect and slander to the angel. Because what he's saying is, is who are you? That's why he said, I'm an angel that stands in the presence of God. You're, you're not just disrespecting me. You're disrespecting God who sent me, Zacharias. You're slandering me. You're speaking evil of me. You're speaking unbelief. And listen. For every one of us, there's going to be circumstances and things that happen that emotionally we're going to want to vent 
words and things of disrespect and slander and unbelief. See, Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool vents all his feelings, but a wise man holds them back. What's interesting about the word vent is vent, by definition, means an opening and a release. I want to tell you that when we open up about what we're going through, the purpose of venting is to lead to an advent moment of opening up areas in the midst of our pain, in the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our questions, in the midst of our circumstances, opening up areas of our life that leads to Christ taking His rightful place. That leads to Christ coming into a right view that even in the midst of tears, even in the midst of trouble, even in the midst of anguish, He's still Lord. He's still coming. He's going to make all wrongs become right. All crooked places become straight. He's coming to save us from the wrath that's coming upon this earth that is going to destruct. That we would vent to allow Advent, to allow Christ to come and to form in our character, His character. Some of you, I know, are thinking, Pastor Chad, I've been trying. I've been doing my best. Listen to me. God's not asking you to do your best. He's asking you to allow what you're going through to lead you to the holy place of spending time with Him. For Him to change your views. For Him to change your character. For you to open up areas to allow Christ to enter in and to become for you what you can never be for yourself. To become compassionate. To become consistency. To become mercy. To become joy. To become victory for you in that area. I pray that you experience seasons of such emotion and pain and frustration that you would allow it to lead you to that place with Him. You would open up those areas as a vent to release and surrender trust and invite the king, allow Christ, invite him to come and take his rightful place because where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Where the spirit's Lord, there's liberty. Eventually, for Christ to come into his rightful place in areas of our life, we're going to have to see it as an opening to release matters into his hand. This is an opportunity for you and I to release matters into his hand. To allow Jesus to take His rightful place. Release areas into His control. Release Him to be Lord to fill our lives. I don't know where you're at, but I know where you're at deals with views and vents. Thank you so much for listening to this week's message. If you would like more information about our church, be sure to visit us on the web at dwellingplacemovement.org.